In the Chinese lunar calendar, the eighth day of the fourth month is considered the birthday of the founder of Buddhism, Shakyamuni. According to Buddhist sutra, when Shakyamuni was born, nine heavenly dragons appeared and showered fragrant water over the Buddha at his birth. So this particular day is also known as the Buddha Bath Festival, and the custom of celebrating it is maintained to this day. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Why We Love Dunhuang podcast. The story of the Buddha Bath Festival is clearly recorded in Dunhuang's artworks and documents. In a silk painting found in the library cave, five Chinese ladies dressed in the Tang Dynasty style are surrounding and bathing a little boy. They have towels and other bathing items in their hands, ready to serve the baby Buddha. Who is standing on a lotus-shaped basin in the middle? A large number of dark clouds are dyed with ink on the top of the picture, and nine dragons' heads emerge from the clouds, spraying water from top to bottom. Today, the Buddha Bath Festival is still the most bustling and cheerful day in Dunhuang. Tens of thousands of people flock to the plaza in front of the Mugao Grottoes to burn incense and worship the Buddha. Praying for a better life. Buddhism has a profound impact in the region, but the legacy of Dunhuang is more than religion. Why, after more than one thousand years, are people still fascinated by this place? Why do we love Dunhuang, both past and present? A number of factors enabled the city's glorious past, including Dunhuang's geographic location, its special status in ancient trade, and its early encounter with Buddhism. When Buddhism spread to China through the ancient Silk Road, Dunhuang was an important stop along the way. For more than a thousand years, Dunhuang played a key role in international trade. Chinese silk. Porcelain and tea were traded here and then transferred to the outside world. In return, corals from Rome, glass agate from Persia, goldware from Sogdia, blankets from Khotan, sugar from India, and other foreign goods were traded here before they were transported on to various other regions across China. Dunhuang's key role in trade was especially true from the sixth to the tenth century, during the Sui and Tang dynasties. During that period, it was the starting point for three specific routes of the Silk Road. As a result, Dunhuang became a veritable international metropolis and trade center. How prosperous was Dunhuang? Maybe just like today's New York, London, Tokyo, Shanghai, or Hong Kong. In 609, the second emperor of the Sui dynasty paid a visit to northwest China. There, he personally hosted a trade conference and met with envoys from 27 smaller kingdoms. That was perhaps the earliest trade conference in the world. A large number of commodities were traded in the city every day, which also led to the most advanced logistics services in the world. 
Also in the city, there were many Buddhist temples where traders prayed for blessings. These factors made Dunhuang an international commercial and cultural hub at the time. Dunhuang's commercial activities were so prolific that even Buddhist monks were allowed to do business. Some monks even acted as providers of loans to traders. Dunhuang's metropolitan status can also be proved by the confidence and inclusiveness of its artworks. The development of Buddhism generated the Buddha grottos, making Dunhuang home to one of the biggest religious art galleries in the world. There's an old Chinese saying: "Inclusiveness leads to something great." In the artistic world, inclusiveness gives birth to artworks that are more comprehensive and interesting. This truth was already well understood by the craftsmen in Dunhuang. More than a thousand years ago, inside the Dunhuang caves, you can find artworks from different cultures. The wall painting in Cave 268, for example, contains one of the most famous column styles in classical architecture: the Ionic column from ancient Greece. Presumably, this architectural form was exported to Dunhuang through the ancient Silk Road. It is a vivid example of the artistic interaction between ancient China and the rest of the world. In addition to Buddhist content, the wall paintings and documents of Dunhuang also depict many secular aspects of people's daily lives, such as architecture, music, dancing, and clothing. To some extent, we can argue that Dunhuang is an encyclopedia of ancient society, a living history throughout the fourth to the fourteenth century. For example, can you imagine that the Western zodiac culture, favored by many youngsters today, had already gained its popularity more than a thousand years ago in China? Depicted on the murals of Cave 61, the popular twelve constellations of the Western zodiac. Make you feel like you were living in the same space and time with our human ancestors. Another interesting example is that Dunhuang witnessed China's earliest form of women's club. This is something unbelievable, but local historical documents provide us vital evidence and tell us a lot about ancient Chinese women's pursuit of independence and gender equality. We will save the story for our future episodes. Besides the glorious history, Dunhuang has had a profound and lasting influence on various aspects of our modern society as well. Many elements in the wall paintings are widely used in areas like art, fashion, architecture, and industrial design. Numerous scenes in Chinese films and TV series have drawn inspiration from the Magao Caves. Dunhuang elements can also be found inside China's Great Hall of the People, the state building used for legislative and ceremonial activities. The splendid ceiling of the banquet hall is actually designed according to the ceiling painting of Magao Cave 31. Moreover, the images of flying apsaras as a symbol of Dunhuang inspired designers of the 2022. Beijing Winter Olympic Games. From the torch used in the torch relay to the ski jump venue, ancient painters in Dunhuang 
perfectly contribute their artistic talents to this grand modern sporting event. Why do we love Dunhuang from past to present? It represents a land of miracles. The closer to it you are, the clearer you'll sense its unique charisma and appreciate why it has attracted generation upon generation of painters, sculptors, designers, researchers and cultural relic protectors to dedicate their entire careers and life to Dunhuang. When you are in Dunhuang, you'll see history, the present and the future. You'll get a better understanding of yourself as well as the world beyond yourself. Apart from Dunhuang, it's probably a little difficult to find another place where there is a continuous thread of history and an uninterrupted civilization. Ji Xianlin, a prestigious Chinese historian, once said, Dunhuang is in China, but the study of Dunhuang belongs to the whole world. Dunhuang studies are not only about getting to know China's past, but also China's historical connection with the rest of the world that has largely remained unknown to today's people. Dunhuang in history is a legend. Behind those frescoes, statues, documents and the caves are the real lives of people. The stories, covered by the shifting sands of the Gobi Desert for centuries, are still fresh and vivid, waiting for today's audience. So far in this series, we have just touched the surface of this epic story, but in our future episodes, we will move in closer to reveal in much greater detail the fabulous art of the Mugao Caves, which makes Dunhuang the largest Buddhist art gallery in the world. Thanks go out to the Dunhuang Academy and San Liang Zhongdu for contributing to the content of this podcast. If you like the show, do give us a five-star rating or a review. I'm Graham Stevens. See you on the next episode of Why We Love Dunhuang.